I have a brother that you might be aware of. He jumps from port to port um, with a bunch of other men, uh, a seafaring brother, who now that he has left his native homeland and is headed halfway across the globe to Japan uh, to be a Navy chaplain there, I think I can say this without him hearing me, is that I deeply admire him. Um, I deeply admire the brother whose uh, nine and a half shoes I had to come in and and burst out of, not struggle to fill, but, you know, uh, like old wineskins, so to speak, (laughs) to burst through. Um, But I deeply admire him, and... During his last few weeks here, people would ask me, you know, what are you doing? I won't go with my brother. Well, where is he up to? He's going to Japan. I was like, how do you end up making that decision? You know what? I don't know. It's just a lot of little decisions. Why do you even join the military? Well, you know, I don't know. We had a priest come over one night for dinner 10 years ago and talk about it once. And then all of these kind of small, seemingly inconsequential decisions. And now he's, you know, doing origami halfway across the world for our, for our country, though. Um, and, yeah, he is now a Navy chaplain headed to Japan. I bring that up because today we celebrate the solemnity of Virgin Mary, the Mother of God. It's the eighth day of the octave of God's biggest decision to become man. And it is contingent upon one's woman decision who comes to this big decision with notable silence about all the other decisions in her life up to that point. Notable silence. Where in the Gospels do we hear about Mary before this? We don't. We know from tradition that her parents are Anne and Joachim. That's great. But up to that point, there doesn't seem to be any big decision that really prepares her for this moment. And I want to read to you how important this moment is. This is from a sermon from St. Bernard whenever he is talking about how big Mary's decision is. You have heard, O virgin, that you will conceive and bear a son. You have heard that it will not be by man, but by the Holy Spirit. The angel awaits an answer. It is time for him to return to God who sent him. We too are waiting, O lady, For your word of compassion, the sentence of condemnation weighs heavily upon us. The price of our salvation is offered to you. We shall be set free at once if you consent. In the eternal word of God, we all came to be, and behold, we die. In your brief response, we are to be remade in order to be recalled to life. Tearful Adam, with his sorrowing family, begs this of you, a loving virgin, in their exile from paradise. Abraham begs it. David begs it. All the other holy patriarchs, your ancestors, ask it of you, as they dwell in the country of the shadow of death. 
This is what the whole world waits for, prostrate at your feet. It is right in doing so, for on your word depends comfort for the wretched, ransom for the captive, freedom for the condemned, indeed, salvation for all the sons of Adam, the whole of your race. Answer quickly, O virgin. Reply in haste to the angel, or rather through the angel to the Lord. Answer with a word, receive the word of God. Speak your own word, conceive the divine word. Breathe a passing word, embrace the eternal word. Why do you delay? Why are you afraid? Believe, give praise, and receive. Let humility be bold, let modesty be confident. This is no time for virginal simplicity to forget prudence. In this matter alone, O prudent virgin, do not fear to be presumptuous. Though modest silence is pleasing, dutiful speech is now more necessary. Open your heart to faith, O blessed virgin, your lips to praise, your womb to the Creator. See the desire of all nations is at your door, knocking to enter. If he should pass by because of your delay, in sorrow, you'd begin to seek him afresh, the one whom your soul loves. Arise, hasten, open. Arise in faith, hasten in devotion, open in praise and thanksgiving. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, she says. Be done to me according to your word. We read in the opening prayer for this Mass that Jesus comes into the world because of Mary's virginal fruitfulness. Her virginal fruitfulness. Seems like an oxymoron, but by her virginity, she prepares in herself a place worthy for the dwelling of Jesus Christ. And that virginity is first spiritual before it is physical. It's just that she loves God above all other things. And so she has no room for an inordinate love, a lower love, for lesser things. In other words, Mary's preparation to receive Jesus was a denial of a love and a lot of lower things. A denial of the love of sin. And a lot of times when we are entrapped in a sin that we have an affection for, it can be really hard to remove ourselves from it unless, like Mary, we understand that we have to prepare ourselves for something a lot bigger. If we are struggling with a certain sin, a certain habit, a certain inordinate attachment that perhaps in the eyes of the world with New Year's we want to say we want to give this up, we want to have New Year's revolution. What we need to do is recast the vision of what God wants us to be. Like Mary, to bring Jesus into the world. And so by the same virginal fruitfulness, to be able to remove those lower attachments to those lesser things, those seemingly inconsequential decisions that can lead a man from a dinner table to Japan, that can lead a woman from silence and obscurity to bringing God into the world, where Adam, all the angels, those in exile, 
are awaiting her yes of a teenage girl. That if we are able to remove piece by piece these small attachments that we know are comforting for the time, but don't lead to a vision of what kind of person does God want me to be? Who is God calling me? Is he calling me to be someone who brings Jesus into the world? So that those small, seemingly insignificant decisions can lead us to make the great decision when we are called upon to bring Jesus into the world as he desires to be.